Thank you, music team, for that song. I know I threw it on you during the week and said, hey, can you guys do this? So awesome. Thank you so much. And I know they've been working on it because when I was in the back room, Sawyer was singing it when she heard them singing it. So. Well, I don't know what your experiences are with this COVID shortage. We know it was toilet paper. Uh, earlier in the week, we found out that for some reason, chili was hard to come by. Chili of all things. You think it would be chili first and then toilet paper, but I mean, who knows? This weekend we found out that the COVID hoarding also extends to Bed Bath & Beyond scented Christmas candles. This is the new toilet paper. I mean, we found out Colleen's always went and bought these online. They're no longer available online, they're sold out. So you go to the small and the only store that's wrapped around with three hour lines to go buy a $10 candle is Bed Bath & Beyond. So we have whiffed twice by going there. Last night we figured, okay, we'll go, we'll get there right as they're nearing the end. But they said, no. They said, our line's closed, you can't get out. The only bright spot that I found is a thing that's not sold out is golf equipment. That is still plentiful, right? And there's no real long lines at the golf course. So people pick your priority during this season. You don't need toilet paper. They have that at the golf course also. They just don't have candles. So today we're going to move into the second, the second message on Advent. And that theme is love. So it's another purple candle. And we're going to have that lit right now. And don't worry, this young child's been checked out on it. Thank you, Angel. And there's two main things I want to look at this morning that I'm going to bring to you. Um, the first one is, is love, since this is the second Advent theme. And then the second is to carry on with our Advent overall theme of the characteristics of Christ. I'm going to make one programming note. We are not going to go over seven this morning. We're just going to go over the four names listed for Jesus and the Messiah in Isaiah 9-6. So let's pray and get started. Uh, dear Jesus, we thank you so much for this time of year that with everything going on that we can just stop we can quiet our hearts and we can just focus on you. Focus on the Trinity, focus on this great love that you've shown for us as we learn more about you, that we just really focus on you during this time. Amen. So love, the first thing is, why did Jesus come into the world? And as like Riley went over in the call to worship, we look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God the Father loved us so much and he loved that is a world that is perishing, a world that turned its back on him 
and is turning its back on him in greater numbers every day. And he gave his people his one and only son. Now remember last week we talked about the conversations and the promises that God gave to Jesus. We talked about God telling Jesus that, you know, you will have a kingdom forever and you will be on that throne forever. But first, but first, God sent him to earth to die. And that is our way of salvation. Yes, our way to have salvation is through this death and we get to be with God forever. And what does Jesus do? Jesus willingly obeyed um, to come on earth. And while he was on earth, he never failed to talk to his father. And he didn't refuse to obey him. Now think about our behavior, man's behavior. Jesus could have went, why? <laughs> why, God? But he didn't. He loved the Father so much that he willingly obeyed. And then in Romans 8.32, 8, Romans 8.32, Paul wrote about this, that God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. So the benefit from this mind-blowing gift, mind-blowing gift, when you think about it, God didn't have to do this but it was a gift, um, is we get to have eternal life and that ability also that we get to have with God while we're on earth. And all because our hearts were changed by the Holy Spirit. They were changed from a heart of stone and we were given a heart of flesh. And then how much are we loved? How much are we loved by God? So a great example of this is John 15, 9 through 11. John 15, 9 through 11. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And that's just the first like seven, eight words in it. And that's enough right there, right? You think about this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And we know how much God loves the Son. And Jesus is saying, I have that love for you. But it goes on. It says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So hearing this, we need to make sure we understand what that word abide means. It means to accept without objections or I can add or I can add accept without then becoming oblivious to God's commands. He says, you will keep my commandments and accept his love without objection. So we have said that God has a a deep love for his son. And the one thing is, one day, we may not fully know it now, but one day we will fully understand the magnitude of this love. 
And here, in this verse, Jesus says he loves us to this magnitude that we can't even fully understand yet. So bottom line in this verse, we see that we are loved greatly. When we believe in Christ, when we abide in Jesus, follow his commands and grow in him, our life may be a wreck at sometimes, but our joy in him may be full. Now, have you seen these people? I'm talking, have you seen people like this? They drive the world nuts, right? So you think about this. No matter what happens to them, their focus is on Christ. And though the world stomps on them and treats them poorly, they are the happiest people you know, all because they are abiding in Christ and they know where their home is. You never hear a foul word out of them about themselves or about other people. They always have something positive to say. They just love. And I, I long so much to be put into that category of group. So next, let's talk about Jesus loves so much and loves us so much that he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us once we are saved. So John 15, 26 says, But when the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So we, as believers, get this, we have one of the Trinity that is with us in this life now. The moment we accept Christ, we have one of the Trinity with us. May we never take that for granted. And this shows us the extent of his demonstrated love to us that we have this. This very mighty and very powerful member of the Trinity is our gift, our comforter. And then in John, 1 John 4 says, well, it's an entire chapter on God's love and how God's love is. But just to boil it down to verses 13 through 16, we see a summation of what I've been sharing. So I recommend reading all of 1 John 4, but here's just verses 13 through 16. It says, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love of God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And it's no wonder that all these verses come from the disciple known as the disciple of love, John. So it's telling us that we abide in him through the Holy Spirit, and we have this opportunity to commune with God every day for this short time 
that we have on earth. We have this opportunity. These three verses I read say so much. They say so much and they offer us, they show us that we have the Holy Spirit and eternal life and we will have eternal life together with the Trinity. And the last of verse 16, I'm going to tell it to you again. It says, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Amen? So, and one of the things is, is really cool. In our community group, we are planning for our prayer life in 2021. Now, this planning is for also... It's for the big prayers that they want to see answers in 2021. I mean, we think of the answers that we've had in 2018, 2019, this year, but we want to plan ahead. So we're getting notebooks out and we're writing, writing down what our big prayers are going to be for 2021. And with this assignment, we went over the first part of it last Wednesday. And it was really cool to hear the awesome prayers for people's children and their loved ones. That was so cool. This salvation prayer. And you know what a great image it is too to think about this that once in heaven and they're up there they're going to know, they're going to be able to see all the years and all the time spent by loved ones praying to this Holy Spirit, abiding in God for salvation to their children. That's just awesome to see that. Now I want to move on to the characteristics of Jesus. And we're going to look at Isaiah 9.6. Isaiah 9.6. And this is the characteristics of Jesus spoken of by Isaiah through the Holy Spirit. And 9.6 tells us, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. A lot of prophecy will tell us what happens about something that someone will do, right? We see that in a lot of these prophecies. In Isaiah alone, we see prophecy that tells us what country will come and take the Israelites away. And it even gives us the name, the name of a pagan king that's going to release the Israelites to come back home to Israel, right? Now, we see in this prophecy, the emphasis is not on what Jesus will do, but the simple fact that God will bring him to us on earth and he will be born that's all we see there we see all the results that will be secured by his birth look at the first sentence and the emphasis is not on the to us but it's showing us one to come so we're going to look now for the rest of the time of this message on the four names that are mentioned for jesus we're going to look at Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 
And I'm sure you've already figured out, if you have read Isaiah more than a couple times, how cool this book is. Um, and what, what is, how many times a specific name is given and a purpose for it. So we look at his boys' names, right? He's got two boys, and they have specific names that are given, and they're prophetic. They're for a period in time, and they're for an, something that's going to happen. And then, then there's another child's name that's mentioned in 714. And 714 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel is very important, number one, for the prophetic meaning it needed there, and also because the first two names we're going to go over in, in Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, this equates to that name also. So let's go over Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God. Wonderful Counselor also, you, it means supernatural counselor, or one able to provide a supernatural wisdom. And the people of this day would have got that, because it was very, very important that when you lived in a kingdom like this, where you were constantly being raided, that you had wise people to give you counsel and to ensure that you were successful. Um, you need these wise counselors. You need a king like Solomon. You needed very gifted people that could give you wisdom. And if you didn't, you would be overthrown. You and your people would be marched out to a land and you would be servants and slaves in some other land. So they understood immensely how important this name was. But let's take a little deeper look at this word. In the Bible, this wonderful, this supernatural, um, it's used 15 times to talk about human acts. One of them is, if you remember the story of David and Jonathan, it's an example of the intense love that Jonathan had for his friend David. In 2 Samuel 1.26 it says, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. And we realize that Jonathan, if he didn't, he could have had David executed many times over. But he had this intense love for his friend David. And then the wonder, it's, it's used here to describe the wonder of the house that Solomon was building for God in 2 Chronicles 2.9. It says, To prepare timber for me in abundance, for the house I am to build will be great and wonderful. And then wonderful, describing supernatural works of God, is used 54 times in the Bible. And they go over things that we cannot explain. And then one mighty example is found in Psalms 118, 19 through 24. And David is talking about this supernatural, amazing gift of salvation through Jesus. 
Again, this is David talking about this, and it's the Old Testament. It says, Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them, and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The gate in heaven, folks, that, that leads to salvation, this is the supernatural understanding of a gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. We see other supernatural things. We see it in Judges 13.18. Judges 13.18, talking about the birth of Samson. Samson's father asked the angel of the Lord what his name is. And he is told in that verse, the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? Wonderful or the word divine could have been used. And this is similar to when Gideon, in a few chapters early in Judges, chapter 6, 22, perceived, like Samson's father, that he had seen God's angel of the Lord and therefore, because he saw this, he would die. And then the supernatural wonder of Christ was on display in that. An additional acts we can think of to describe these supernatural wonders are the acts involved with the Exodus. And I don't just mean what God did on display in Egypt, but also all through that, that 40 years in the desert and then the 40 years of punishment. I mean, you imagine they were led at night by a fire in the sky. And we're talking not just a couple thousand people, we're talking millions were led by this. And then a cloud during the day. It's amazing. And then David talking to God in Psalm 139.6 tells God basically he understands very little but knows that God is all in all and too wise for humans. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. And then mighty God. God shows, has shown Isaiah in the L component of Emmanuel is to be very, taken very seriously. The L means God. And you might recognize it in other names you hear of God, like El Shaddai, meaning God Almighty, or El Oman, meaning God of Eternity. In Mighty, in Mighty God, we see the Hebrew name as El Gabor. It gives us a picture of this child being a mighty warrior. We get the picture that things are out of our control and need to be given to this mighty God for answers since we are powerless to solve them. And we see this in Genesis 31, 29. Genesis 31, 29. It says, It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. 
So Laban, Jacob's father-in-law, who desired to take advantage of him, was told by God, be careful in your actions to my Jacob. And then we see in Nehemiah 5.5, Nehemiah 5.5, Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers, our children are as their children, yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it is not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. And we see that God, despite our actions, is in full control, and he has the power to either save us or not. And then everlasting father, everlasting father. God has Isaiah using the word eternity more than any other author in the Bible. Sometimes it is in a general sense, but in other times it is unmistakable in its meaning. And in the first part of Isaiah 57:15, we see the words, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, who inhabits eternity. And then in Isaiah 64, 9, Be not so terribly angry, O God, and remember not your iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are your people. So please, you have the power of being around forever. Don't remember us in a bad light forever. And then to end on a better note on eternity, let's look at 65:18. Isaiah 65:18. Be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. We know that some, we will someday experience this, this time everlasting with God and it will be a joy. Now, Prince of Peace. Now, when the Israelites wanted to leave the judges' period and they wanted their own king and they desired a king, they were looking for a continuing time of security, a continuing role that provided this peace and security. Um, and where did we see any form of this in the Old Testament and, well, for the New Testament for that fact? The Israelites only saw this at any length of time during partial reign of David and then all of Solomon's reign, right? And this is what peace meant to the people at that time. It meant, hey, we want no more war. We don't want to be stuck in our cities, you know, being starved out. We want peace. We want to be able to come in and out of the gates and, and live with our God. And then on a personal level to us, peace means fulfillment. When we say someone has died with peace, it means they lived a fulfilled life. They have completed all that God has planned for them. And in Genesis 15:15, 15, 15, God is talking about Abraham's life. 
And he said, as for you, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And then we also see in the story in 2 Kings 22. 2 Kings 22, the story of King Josiah, right? You know, here's a king that, that the temple has not been used, so he commands the priest to go in and clean it up. And amazingly, they find the book of the law. Blows me away. I've mentioned this before. What were they doing? If they didn't have the book of the law, what was God's people doing prior to this? You know, what and how were they worshiping God the Father? Um, but they found it, and when the king, King Josiah, young King Josiah, heard God's word, he tore his clothing. He was that upset, and he brought the people back. And in verse 22:20, God told him, Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes now shall not see the disaster I will bring upon this place. So peace we can, do, we can call is, is a well-being and a freedom from anxiety. In relationships, it is goodwill and harmony. And realizing it is in the fullness of his favor. So the Prince of Peace is and always will be one with God and humankind. This is the Christ that we want to have a relationship. These four things, supernatural, mighty, eternal, and providing peace to us. So above all else at this time of year, we have a Savior who loves us and has loved us from the beginning of time that he was willing to be obedient and come down and be all these things for us. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, how can we thank you enough? How can we praise you enough? For we look in all that's going on with this world and this life, and we can just thank you so much that we have freedom from it. You already are in control. You rule all. You know how this will turn out. Help us to remember that in this time of year. Help us to focus on you and you alone. Help us to love you greatly, to seek you greatly, to lift up prayers to you. And like your word said, help us to be obedient and then just abide in you. May we make that a priority in every day of the rest of our lives to have that time where we just are with you in word and in prayer and may we be seen by people as being in that group that group of people that no matter what happens to them all they do is speak highly of you and others and just love amen